Construction at the winterized migrant shelter in Brighton Park is on hold. The state government stepped in after a city-commissioned environmental report found that high levels of mercury in the soil. Now, it's the latest delay to the camp, which has already faced pushback from neighbors and the ward's alderperson. Now, as the back and forth continues, it's getting colder and colder outside, and the city's facing an urgent call to shelter migrants. The WBEZ city government and politics reporter Tessa Weinberg is here to break that down, along with the latest news from the Johnson administration. Welcome back, Tessa. Good Thanks to see you. Thanks for having me. Also here is WBEZ environment reporter Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco. Hey, Juan Pablo. Hey there, Sasha. So I want to start with you. I'd love for you to get everyone up to speed here. Tell us where exactly this campsite is, Juan Pablo, who it's going to shelter, and why there were environmental concerns in the first place. Sure. So we're talking about 38th in California. Uh, the camp is in Brighton Park. That's a neighborhood on the southwest side of the city. Historically, this is a place that has had a lot of heavy industry. So think warehouses and trailer yard, railroad yards. Um, and in particular, where the camp is going up used to be used as a rail, a rail yard, a zinc smelter, and trailer truck, trailer truck parking. Mm-hmm. So, we're, so again, we're talking about some pretty heavy industry that also pollutes. So the environmental report that was commissioned by the city... Uh, this was released late on Friday, but I hear journalists only receive the report if they filed a, an FOI, a Freedom of Information Act request. I mean, what do you make of that, Tessa? Yeah, you know, it's in stark contrast to the mayor pledging earlier that very week that once this report is out, everyone's going to have access to it. Right. Um, he was adamantly defending his office against criticisms that, you know, they've not been acting transparently throughout this whole process. But, you know, a Friday night news dump where a city commission report that reporters are going to have to file a formal request for, you know, seems to be really in contrast to that. I think the mayor's office would argue, you know, they released the report as soon as they could. They also um, had noted that because this was a prior privately owned plot of land. They had concerns about publicly, you know, posting this, but it has since been posted on the city websites. You know, it is now accessible for everyone to find. But, um, you know, it did seem like it, um, the circumstances, you know, didn't really lend itself to being transparent and really putting these results out there for everyone to see and for everyone to be aware of when you're doing it late on a Friday. Yeah. So remind us, what prompted Governor Pritzker to intervene in the first place and really halt the construction here? Yeah, so this was a city commission report, and the state says, you know, it needs time to review this nearly 800, you know, page report and answer outstanding questions they have. The Illinois EPA needs to be able to sign off on it to give the recommendation on whether this land is really suitable at all, whether we can move forward um, with the the city's plans to house, you know, at least 2,000 migrants there in these um, large tent-like stru- tent like structures. Um, you know, the city says it, it's took the steps it's taken to address some of these contaminants and heavy metals make it, you know, safe for temporary residential use. But even yesterday they noted there's still portions that need some remediation. And so I think the state probably has lots of questions on, um, you know, evaluating that review and making their own determination. Yeah. Well, Juan Pablo, the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency also only received that report on Friday. Right. So I guess yeah. no one was exempt from that Friday night uh, dump. Tell us more. Yeah. So like you said, like everybody else, they got it on Friday. So the IEPA said they won't have any comments until they finish reviewing. Again, this is an 800 page report. It's huge. Most of it's charts, tables, numbers. Um, and the last thing they said is they did have some outstanding questions. So they're waiting um, for the answers on those before they 
actually make a ruling or a decision on if this is a safe site for human habitation. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the base camp is going to be funded by the state government, Tessa. So uh, talk to us about the kinds of tensions that we're now seeing between the city and the state here over this camp and just over the broader handling of this migrant crisis. Yeah, I think we've seen them, you know, slowly start to kind of ramp up. I think both sides have tried to be, you know, cordial about it. And, you know, even earlier this week, Governor Pritzker says he has a good relationship with Mayor Johnson. But I think, you know, the way this report was released, um, the way the state is really stepping in saying, you know, we are going to be making the final call, I think speaks to some of that. Um, the state is, you know, paying for some of this base camp setup and in addition to another shelter, a former CVS in Little Village, as part of this overall additional $160 million in funding the state announced it would commit to the city to help support asylum seekers and migrants. Um, but, it, you know, the, the city has not been holding back its, you know, calls for the state and feds to be doing more since the summer. They've really been ramping that up, saying, you know, people need to help us shoulder the burden and the costs of, of, of just this entire mission. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen Governor Pritzker in some more recent press conferences, you know, be a little bit more critical of just noting that the slow pace the city has had when it comes to setting up these shelter sites and, you know, citing that as a reason why the state has kind of had to step in to ensure folks are not, you know, sleeping outside when winter is coming. So, Juan Pablo, what would you say are the key takeaways here from this report? I mean, did you read all 800 pages? I read through a lot of it. <laughs> the charts and tables, you know, not so much of it. But here are the big takeaways. So they found high levels of heavy metal contamination. So think lead, arsenic, mercury. Mm-hmm. Other dangerous contaminants include cyanide and PCBs. And now the majority of this, the, ci- the city and officials have said, have already been removed. But at least one contaminant still remains on the site and will likely remain there until the governor lifts the, the, the pause. I see. So construction on this camp won't resume unless the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency gives its approval, right? So uh, what would you say the state is looking for now? Yeah, so they haven't said much. What they told us is that they have some outstanding questions and that at least today the pause continues. But we don't know much of what exactly they're looking for. Take us back, Tessa, to the lead up to this whole thing, right? The lead up to the release of, of, of this report and just, you know, uh, the results of the report, rather, and, and all of the, the back and forth that had been happening, not just with residents, but with, with uh, city officials as well. Yeah, so it's kind of been a long time coming for this report. Um, you know, the city had started already doing some construction last week on the site, and there was a lot of criticism of, you know, why are we moving forward with this base camp if we don't have, you know, the results of this environmental assessment, if the remediation isn't done, and if the public hasn't seen it, which, you know, members of Um, You know, the neighborhood there and more broadly environmental advocates have long been calling for. And it just, you know, follows, I think, just the, you know, if people are just kind of tuning into what this base camp is and hearing of it, you know, it's been there's been really vocal protests um, from local residents against using this site, against having a base camp there. You know, even one protest got so, um, you know, heated and passionate that um, the local alderwoman and one of our staff members were, you know, the police said physically battered and they had to be escorted away. Um, So it's really, I think this has been almost like a testing ground for just the first base camp we're actually seeing start to get constructed in the city to house migrants. Mm -hmm. So I think there has been, you know, a lot of focus on it. And especially with this history then 
of you know uh, industrial use of the site and the environmental concerns. That's just I think another layer compounding just already frustrations and tensions folks have been feeling you know towards this whole yeah. migrant crisis and how the city's handled it. And then we it. have construction starting and stopping, mm-hmm. and, and then that of course I'm sure is adding to the to the frustrations. So any timeline yet for this construction? I, I feel like I already know the answer that you're going to give us. Yeah, the answer level. is none, not yet at least, right, Tessa? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. The it seems like we're kind of in a holding pattern waiting for the state to to give their sign off. Let's pivot, Tessa. Uh, The city council recently expanded paid time off for Chicago workers from five to 10 days a year. That might change slightly. Is that right? Yeah. So it's expected that, um, you know, this Thursday in the city council's workforce development committee, that some amendments are going to be debated to that big sweeping ordinance. Um, You know, it's likely that the number of days, you know, which was subject of many negotiations, you know, is not going to change. But, you know, we'll see what actually comes up. But essentially, you know, these expanded paid leave uh, policies will give Chicago workers you know, 10 days of paid leave they can use and half of those days, five of them, they can use for any reason, not necessarily just even, you know, for sick days. And so this was right. really, you know, a huge, you know, policy uh, change that the city council was able to pass. It's going to set Chicago up to lead many of its peers when it comes to the type of paid leave that is offered. Um, but we've seen some business groups indicate, you know, they still feel like businesses need more time. Um, and so that's why I think we're going to see, you know, come up this Thursday and see what the nuances of that looks like. Yeah. 28 business groups wrote a joint letter to the city council regarding when the paid leave ordinance would go into effect. What exactly are they asking for? Right. So the the paid leave regulations go into effect at the end of this month, December 31st. Um, And so a coalition of local chambers of commerce, um, the Small Business Advocacy Council, they want to see, you know, more of a grace period be implemented. But they didn't specify when, you know, I asked of what would be reasonable when that looks like. And under the new policy, you know, lawsuits can't be filed until 2025. And that was a concession in businesses. So there already is a delay until, you know, for, you know, Businesses won't be able to necessarily get sued under these new regulations Mm. immediately, but they also want to see businesses have a 45-day cure period, which would really be... They want some time. Yeah, a chance to basically, if they are, you know, if there's any alleged violations, they would have 45 days to try to fix those mistakes before fines could be assessed, before like a lawsuit could commence. And that has been something that city council members indicated there would be discussion on that they might be you know, willing to amend. Even the day that the ordinance was passed, different alder persons had submitted uh, ordinances to try to make that a 30-day cure period, a seven-day period. So mm-hmm. what they actually land on, I think, remains to be seen. Interesting. So. I mean... City Council just recently passed this ordinance. So can they make changes so soon? Yeah, I think that was something that, you know, even the day it passed, they noted, you know, we're this is not necessarily final. We're open to making some of those changes like concessions, like the cure period. I see. It hasn't gone into effect yet, but um, we'll see, you know, what that actually ends up looking like. Well, before I let the two of you go, tell us what you're reporting on this week. I'll go to you first, Juan Pablo. Yeah, so right after this, I'm heading to Joliet to look at some invasive species. That's the invasive carp that are all over the Illinois River and this mega project that the Army Corps is installing to make sure they don't make it into Lake Michigan. Mm. Well, we'll have to look forward to that story. Tessa, what do you got going on? Yeah, lots of city What don't you have going on? (laughs) (laughs) Lots of city council meetings, uh, committee hearings happening. There's a full city council meeting next week. So that's where we see maybe some of these amendments to like, for example, the paid leave ordinance come up. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll both be following, you know, the migrant base camp developments as they continue. Yeah, that is very rapidly changing day by day. Tessa Weinberg is a city government and politics reporter for WBEZ. And Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco is our environment reporter. Thank you so much. Sure thing.